Trade Talk is back. L.A. Aiko here. We got another episode with the boss of Gembot.ai. Man, I'm excited about this episode because this is an episode in which you really give a real introspective on um, your long-term growth thesis and thoughts on productivity. I find them to be very important because we are in what a lot of people view as a commodity super cycle. We view a lot of things as um, in some places reaching their peaks as we were talking about peak inflation on uh, prior episodes. But I don't think people know how to, they don't know what that, what, what parts in the economy they're using to even gauge these things. And they're just guessing on, all right, this is a bounce, or this is where I think we go long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I say that because you can even see when people say, oh, we're in a recession right now. This is how we start for the recession. Not paying attention to all the political agenda that is being planned after midterms. Don't hear enough about that. And that's very concerning. But Charlie has been looking at these things, and I want him to, to wax poetic about his his exact view uh, because it dovetails with the prior episode in which we're speaking about adjustable rates because this more so projects where the market likely ends up in terms of its bottom and it, and, and in what you'll come to see it, it's historically quite accurate. What's up, man? How are you? Yeah, thank you again for. Um, it's going to be a great episode. This is obviously. An episode that I'm extremely excited about because it it gets me back to my roots. Um, you know, uh, our whole thesis around our systematic strategy has always been to find the bottom of reflex, try and uh, work out how to build big positions in misunderstood and um, uh, mispriced assets. And you know, essentially, we might be getting there again over the next six months. And, um, you know, of course, as always, nothing that we uh, discuss is financial advice. We literally just talk about um, markets from an interest perspective. And and we are very transparent about how we appreciate the markets and what we want to do. Um, But uh, going back to the, the, the point of the episode and, you know, productivity and, you know, how you get to kind of demand destruction uh, and how we actually potentially fall into a recession and you know do you slowly go into a recession and rapidly find yourself in a recession um and uh, really this kind of whole reflexive psyche of the market that um is either you know it's different this time or oh my gosh the world's ending and it's never going to change right we stay in the we go into these kind of kind of different permanent states of mind where we can't see um, more clearly and more long term from a more long-term perspective. Uh, and I really think, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, um, that the biggest risk to the markets um, and productivity in general is of course um, physical war uh, between countries. Um, and of course, even, um, you know, economic war can be, damaging as we have seen with Russia, but also the unintended consequences of those sanctions with the ruble actually uh, having a relatively strong uh, Russia being certain parties to buy their oil. 
but uh you know we're kind of we've kind of gone through this leading um i guess uh indicator or section of the market which has been our growth equities and all the bubble stuff that was heavily in flux yeah completely taken down in growth equities and innovation uh and obviously meme stocks cryptocurrencies anything that was basically uh pricing in the future um but now everyone wants to price in today uh, <laughs> and today uh, oil is you know well over a hundred dollars a barrel um and uh you know if you want capital it's expensive right now um and that is going to create demand in this episode yeah you know and and, and i'd like to even speak about go ahead no no no, i was just really quickly wanting to speak about those parts on uh especially when people speaking about oil commodity super cycling um it's so funny how we the two parts that are that are missing and as i recall and i said it from before um consumers are going to absorb high oil prices there's real there's a real possibility you see 120 charlie and i were talking before and he was saying you know like you know there is some destruction there where the consumer may be having a harder time affording that extra vacation or that extra, you know, trip. You could see it from Bloomberg where they were saying that delays and costs are, are, are pushing into uh, the revenues or cutting into the revenues uh, for some of these um, uh, uh, companies that, you know, supply your leisure. But where I say historically, and I go this from a historical standpoint, we didn't even, after 08, take until... 11 until we even hit on oil so there's still time and, and it may sound crazy but as we look at what midterm elections are and where we're going in terms of uh, potential infrastructure bill and i'm not trying to jump too far ahead in our conversation charlie but there's more time to this than people really understand this summer it, it's going to stay at these high prices and, and the commodity cycle will continue to stay at these prices uh we haven't hit that part yet but it's really going to be important to see what these programs are um that they introduce coming after the midterms going into the end of the year uh you know with the administration i I wanted to get that out there uh because as you're saying with um the growth stocks as they try to come back through their cycle you're almost kind of they're almost tying together like when you really start to get that destruction and the destruction happened last go round, um you know after the peak in uh 2011 oil was like about 102 um you started to see where that bottom was and a lot of other commodities kind of topped out at that point and people just were exhausted they were, they were completely just exhausted uh from a financial standpoint to continue to to afford uh what was running the economy before yeah yeah i mean you've got lots of aspects you've got kind of a perfect storm at the moment going on as well with this it's not just obviously um kind of one thing it's many things so for example you know we we've got um the 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 war and stuff with ukraine and russia which is creating 
um, this d- dynamic you've got. Um, the fact that we're going a more ESG route. There is an ESG event agenda, and that is making uh, you know energy prices prices disrupted um, because there is a changing of the order there where you know certain areas are getting lots of investment others are kind of there to just suck up the remaining years of their life um, and they can kind of essentially do that at whatever price they would like until obviously we go completely away from oil Um, so it's a really interesting dynamic right now but you know what you're seeing is obviously higher energy prices because of everything that we've mentioned um, and that will likely sustain for some time but there is going to be a f- inflection point in the future where people just can't do it any longer. And it's not like they were like, oh, the first time they went to the pump and they were like, no, this is too much. And then they leave. It's that they've been buying that for so long and extending their credit and becoming more leveraged for so long that they eventually can't keep it up anymore. And that's when you basically fall quite rapidly into a recession. It's not a it's not a walk in the park. It's not a simple stroll into a recession. It's a it's a breaking point. There are many of these breaking points in bear markets, and um, you know eventually these commodity prices, all this speculation in you know the the doomsday kind of scenarios and the high inflation scenarios is that those commodities and energy basically get screwed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I like that that concept of the breaking because you know as we've as i've expressed in episodes the fed's job is to uh put a a a pillow top um under that egg that's about to break you know and you cannot control uh just all the variables that are in this kind of situation uh when it comes to you know commodity prices i mean before this war when the war happened most people would have just said all right we're going to get a spike in oil that's what happens when these things happen you're putting sanctions on here byproduct of this craziness uh no exports from egypt for wheat (laughs) yeah (laughs) and india in india uh no export uh, everyone who it was Muslim during Ramadan was like, we can't even afford the treats we usually buy, certain types of food we usually buy because there is a scarcity of wheat uh, byproduct, right? Commodity super cycle, extreme expensive prices. As Charlie, you were even in that wheat trade only for it to retreat uh, after, you know, reaching its uh, inflection point. But to cycle back well, again yeah. because it ain't, ain't much change. <laughs> yeah, and it does seem to overshoot. So uh, yeah, uh, we took that took a, uh, a lot of commodity uh, look commodity positions. Uh, as soon as I saw the Russian troops marching towards uh, the Ukraine border, I put on a lot of the uh, you know four or five trades there, and they all returned ten x on on as derivatives, um, and you know could have stayed in them longer. Um, but you know, sometimes when there's an overshoot, you just got to take your profit. You, you know, you know, how much do you want to make from a trade? And once you make that amount, you know, you have to get out. So I'm now in the say, stage where I'm saying, man, this is obviously important, and commodities have reasons to be priced higher. But for how long will and for how uh, you know how wide will the speculation and 
um, you know, uh, in commodities and energy go on for? Uh, because there are obviously a lot of deflationary pressures going, um, you know, had to be had in terms of um, these uh, commodities and some of this energy uh, kind of discussion. So, so when, in your thesis also, you were speaking about um, like productivity, right? So yeah. how do you see like the, you know, productivity moving forward um, it, it, to your opinion? Yeah, so you know, in terms of productivity, um, you know, you can you can go and you can go and you can invest in Apple uh, and hope that they can reinvent themselves one more time and get another leg up in growth and keep that compounding going, or like you, you. Uh, can alternatively look in areas of the market where um, you know you're you're going for tomorrow's large companies. So you're going for companies that. Um, are in, in are in the uh, market have drawn down incredibly because when they went public, people were pricing them ten x, you know, ten x too expensive, and then now uh, you're looking at companies that are getting great uh, market share like gain every quarter. They have a huge um, scale for growth and can um, can become massive companies, and they're now being priced for bankruptcy or priced for go private um, and so on. So, you know, that has been interesting. And then if you look at, for example, Baidu this week, um, it, it went up from, um, Baidu was an interesting one this week because Baidu's up 15% over the last month. Oh, wow. And um, over the last week, it's up almost 11%. And it and it bottomed out in, um, was in May at one at more well, May at one oh six. Oh well, yes, yes, that's interesting as well. Yes, so it actually it got to one oh eight in March when you know they locked down, um, uh, and that's when there was a huge buying opportunity in, in China, and that's when we put our episode up, uh, roughly around where we put our episode up. And obviously, mm-hmm. it's it's not gone right yet, and it's still uh, and it and it has all these reasons to fail, um, but there are interesting opportunities and assets that have really interesting growth opportunities and have real strong value propositions, but of course, with all these unknowns, people are throwing them out and they just need to get out and into cash, or you know, re- you know, get away from that margin call, um, so that's that's what it is and then i and i and also i'd I'd probably say that once these oil companies and these energy companies give give way and actually give back some of the money they've taken uh you'll see a bottom in the spy and the dow so yeah that's an interesting one so you it, it you feel that the oil companies are obviously benefiting from uh these jacked up prices um I would assume most of them are retiring a lot of their debt, but you feel they'll end up giving back some of uh, the money. Like, how do you feel just from the price of oil going down or because they, they may start new projects? Like, what, how do you feel about that? Well, no, I, I just think that, you know, markets seem to overshoot both on the downside okay. and the upside. And I think that there will be an overshooting in commodities, energy, uh, and some of these kind of, 
you know, the, these mineral-based companies, etc., because of the, the uh, which I do think is a positive cycle, but, you know, because of this massive trend and agenda towards, uh, uh, you know, ESG and um, sustainable energy, uh, basically you got to bear in mind that the U.S. is trying to make it so that Russia has no nothing to give the world because if no if we don't use oil they have nothing um so um that's kind of the agenda we're trying to get to solar and renewable energies and we're doing that also just because we want to make the planet a better place um and uh, try and reverse global warming um mm -hmm. but any speculative long-term investment there are people that are betting that price up, expecting to get a outsized return. And sometimes, as you saw with Tesla and growth companies at the end of um, 2021, when we started talking about this, they've all given off between, you know, 40 and 90 percent of their value. Yeah. Yeah, spot on. Um, when, I, when I think back historically, and I remember when we were in these positions uh, in this situation and people heavily speculated on not even just oil just even gold and but oil was yep. just the one that ran the fastest like you could you could you could you know it was just running just points um per session what i recall was just the brazenness of people getting ahead of themselves like you were saying uh and then and you know you end up having to give it back because you're right, you're coming out of like a take don't even worry about the year 2008 you're coming out of 2009 you're able to speculate aggressively to 2010 you could much, you could pretty much speculate for the first 8 months of 2010 until you even started seeing a slight bit of a crack only to see the peak in 2011 and and when you even saw the peak in 2011 that peak didn't come until the beginning of the year of 2011 so that that gives a lot of leeway for people to really overshoot, uh, and, and you're right. I think they overshoot it all over again, and and you can't even refute it because of the overshooting from what you saw with meme stocks, what you saw with cryptocurrency. Yeah. So it's just in the psyche of the consumer. It's the, the tra It's just human. So to 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 put this in a box now is to say. Perfect. You know what I mean? We know that there's probably going to be an overshoot. The overshoots generally over is very aggressive. Um, yeah. So and, and doesn't last long. And doesn't last long. Yeah. You know, so, if, yep. if if you're the buyer of oil at 180, you are different than the seller of oil at minus twenty dollars or whatever it was. Like that, you know, if you're buying oil at 180, why are you using oil? Go and use a, a more productive asset that costs you less. So there's going to be a there's going to be speculation. It's going to go too far, and that's when I'm going to run in and I'm going to try and take a position on the on the short side of that uh, that, that those trades. And then once that pays off, um, at the same time as that paying off, we'll get to a bottom, and then you know you'll you'll likely see equities uh, kind of start to get a bid. As um, I, you know, and that and that's where I say this is a bold prediction and bold episode because a lot of people are going to say, "Get the hell out of here!" You know, I almost cursed here. Get the hell out of here! That uh, 
you're calling a bottom because of oil prices. But look at look at it historically, right? When you start to see those prices slip, and they slip before they hit their top, and I think this, uh, I think we partially had that slip where war happened. We get we get um, all time highs, then we come back, and then we start to make our next ascent going into potentially 120. I'm paying attention to that area of 115 into 120, or if it doesn't bust past that, if it breaks past that, oh yeah. I am right there with you that that bottom is going to be as it bottoms out. And that top is where that short is because it has shown itself. It's just another cycle at another time, but it's shown itself. But you know, one thing I I do have to ask you, and I don't know if other people are thinking this, but I have been thinking this for the past two weeks. What happens when they get some form of infrastructure bill passed, you have commodities at these levels, like, do you end up just, you know, spiking it? Like, what? I mean, you give me your opinion. That's interesting, right? That is a very interesting thing. And the thing is, with this commodities play is, you know, Soros tells us to jump into bubbles. So, but I feel very uncomfortable bump, jumping into bubbles. Um, but, you know, I don't know how long this kind of commodity super cycle can last. I just don't want to be holding the bag on it. So... Uh, I'm just going to wait until it gets to unbearable prices and then short it. Um, and uh, the infrastructure bill is how they're going to stimulate the, uh, you know, the economy after they've unwound that 1.5 trillion and, um, you know, they've created a recession. So once they create a slowdown slash recession, they're going to then start talking about 25 basis point hikes instead of 50 point basis hikes. And then they're going to roll that 1.5 trillion off and then stimulate with 3 trillion in infrastructure. And that'll be after the midterms. Yeah, I, 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 I'm right there with you. And I am, I'll go on record and saying, I know a lot of people think like, oh, you know, that won't pass. It will pass. Uh, it won't pass in the way that it was originally presented, but it must pass because without it passing, you're in a rut economically where you have all of these um, inflated prices. It takes a while to deflate an economy. Um, You can't give people direct stimulus when you want to now stimulate. And you're having an issue where uh, a lot of those, you know, uh, junk level employers who couldn't finance need something that allows them to keep employees. So it has to happen. Um, I can't say exactly how it happens because that's way too political more than I can understand. But you need to have uh, something infrastructure-wise. And then let's even take it away from just what is an assumption. Look at it from the Chinese perspective, where uh, when they started unwinding their economy, uh, I, I guess they're even thinking about it from uh, in, um, in a particular, whoever their lead economist is over there. That's what they did. They rolled it all into infrastructure any sort of direct stimulus just rolled it all into infrastructure the only thing that blew up with them is that in rolling in infrastructure and restricting the lending they i don't know if they didn't pay attention to their housing or 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 actually you know what it's not that they didn't pay attention they didn't realize how much dollar denominated debt was out there to their developers uh that was that that was a miscue from uh uh the what the chinese uh, government yeah There's also a long, there's been a long-term 
you know, they've got, you know, they've they've moved a lot of people out of poverty over the last, you know, however many years, uh, and they've massively developed. And you look at some of their the the non ghost cities, the thriving cities, um, and they're very efficient, um, and they're very productive, uh, and that's you know. Uh, Elon Musk the other day goes on the on the All In podcast, and he has to he has to admit that his Chinese his Chinese division of Tesla is the most productive one, <laughs> and it's the best quality. And why? That's is That's crazy. You never thought you'd hear such a thing. <laughs> I know I did. So and and then he also says, "Oh well, China's not just run by the CCP. It's like decentralized. There are different regions and states, essentially, and." You know, there are people within the CCP that have different agendas and it's not just a, they just don't argue in public. They argue. So, uh, but anyway, that's kind of going off the topic of what we were talking about. What we were kind of talking about is demand destruction. There will eventually become a time if you're a long-term investor where starting to look at some of these uh, hard to price assets can be very interesting and provide extremely lucrative returns. Um, but obviously risk is a very subjective thing and it's an opinion based thing and none of uh, what we at all to be construed as um, financial advice. Yeah. I, I would say again, just as it uh, pertains to the other episode, it, it the comp, the, the concept is a bit more complex. However, uh, it does lead you to the path of how to make the trade. I would say that those who are thinking like, oh, I just buy X and I wait. That's not what this is. Um, it, it, it's cues to tell you where to position yourself or position your portfolio. Uh, if your portfolio is probably on the smaller side, this is harder for you to do. But if it's on the smaller side, for the most part, you probably don't understand what we're talking about anyway. Um, but I, I like us going on record and saying this direction. I always love being on record with the direction. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. However, you and I have been lucky enough to be very right. I would say our only times that we've had our butts handed to us is with the craziness in China. So <laughs> and that, that's, a, that's an evolving, yeah, that's an evolving situation that um, could be could never go right there are many prob there are you know there's a probability uh kind of that it goes really wrong or it actually uh, is really right or that it goes really right but you still don't get paid because the assets can't be converted into real value so there's a lot of nuance and complexity with this kind of geopolitical side too uh but the main thing i think for like everyday investors that are interested in markets is just to think about it uh, uh think about keeping it as easy as possible um, and if you're not going to act on any of it, you know, if you're for people that are accumulating assets over a long period of time, um, can just know that they can actually sometimes consider deploying if they're doing it at the same, you know, you, you know, remember that the natural thing is okay, when things are turbulent, because that's generally historically what, uh, uh, where the fruits are. Uh, but obviously, um, you know, not financial advice, but um, it's always good to look at where there is opportunity that people aren't raving about yet. I love it. I love it. You're right. Um, you know, I think I think we got a pretty good uh, understanding of of how you're viewing, uh, I would say, what, the next uh, 
six to 12 months. Um, I, I mean, I'm just always excited when you come on because you have a unique take uh, that is actually uh, supported by a, a product you actually use. So it's just not uh, something you're just saying to say, you know, you, you, you model it right into your product. I mean, you can tell us For a little sure. bit about how you do it if you want, but you know, that's what I've always seen. Yeah, no, um, you know, we want to try and reduce the noise and make it easier to discover assets for ourselves. And we want, uh, ev you know, anyone to be able to discover assets uh, at, with less noise and, and more information. So, you know, you can always go to gembot.ai and it's just a, uh, a place where you can uh, list of assets and collaborate with other people. Uh, and it's a, it's a cool way to uh, keep track of what's going on in different markets and in different uh, areas of, asset so yeah gembot.ai thanks all right thanks Al. launching launching june 1st by the time this is yeah. out you'll be using it <laughs> thank That's you charlie right. uh everyone for Cheers. tuning in another episode of uh trade talk with a hedge fund insider you guys are awesome i appreciate the support uh thank you thank you thank you uh enjoy these next few episodes as they're all launching on the same day la echo out charlie out take care